Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, November 22nd, 2021. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I got some big news. I know that I, I did mention this to you um, earlier in the week, but this is actually the 200th episode of the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast, which is, uh, I can't even believe it. I mean, it just sort of crept up on us. And uh, so, yeah, some, some celebration in the air here. It's kind of a cool milestone for us, I think. That's fantastic. When did we start, Graham? So, well, we started with episode one. <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> uh, you know what? I have to look up the exact date, but it's a few years ago at this point. And, and the reason is, is that initially we were doing like, you know, an episode every so often. And at around episode number 40, we introduced Wiretaps, which is this weekly um, episode that many of you listening are very very familiar with. Um, and so, you know, we just really started to go on a tear at that point in terms of our production output. Um, but I have some fun facts and figures that I thought everyone would enjoy kind of hearing um, as we celebrate the 200th episode. So we have, um, we've just reached 222,000 listens. So that's a lot of um, people tuning in over the year here or years, I guess. Um, and I also pulled out some of the top episodes. So um, it's probably no surprise to you that our number one episode of all time is the seven hardest MBA interview questions and how to answer them. That leads the way. It's actually past um, the number two, which was uh, Chad uh, Losey, director of admissions over at Harvard, an episode we had done with him, kind of an admissions director Q&A. Um, we've got an episode with Keith Bevins over at Bain. He's in charge of MBA recruiting. That's number three all time. Um, and then we get into some other ones. There was a 12-step program for early bird applicants episode that um, I think you and I recorded, or maybe it was with um, Jeanette. I can't remember now, but we've got a uh, you know, bunch of admissions director Q&A show up on this top all-time list. So we've got Donna Levinson from MIT, Luke Pena from Tuck. Uh, an episode we did about the Wharton team-based discussion is number seven all-time. Uh, number eight is GRE versus GMAT. Number nine was tips you need to find success in round two. So that might be one people want to go into the archives on since uh, we're kind of getting towards round two right now. And then the number 10 most popular, 10th most popular uh, podcast episode of all time for us is how to interview at Harvard Business School. So so I have a couple of questions for you, Graham. I bet you do. <laughs> but how many listens does that number one podcast get? The seven hardest interview questions. Yeah, it's. Um, I think we're we're well over ten thousand now. I, I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but it's nice. maybe even nice. closer to fifteen now. Yeah, so that's you know yeah that's kind of. Uh, and 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 if if someone wants to go back and listen to that now, now they've listened, they've heard one of the the two or three most. Um, listen to pod, podcasts. Mm -hmm. How do they do that easily? Yeah, I think the best way is to just, um, on our website, there's literally a feed for all the podcast episodes. Um, if you just go to the podcast page, you can find it. Okay. Or you could literally just Google Clear Admit, Seven Hardest Questions, if you want to listen to that one, and it'll pop up. The reason that I think it's good that you're pointing this out is because most of the platforms we're on, which includes, you know, uh, Amazon Music and, and Google, whatever they do, and, and obviously Apple, Spotify, we're, we're on all the platforms. But many 
of them kind of cut things after a hundred or so episodes. So you can't go all the way back. Um, so sometimes you got to go to the website. I need to look into that because I think we might be able to drop more episodes into the feed, but, but we will see. So, yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um, the other thing I did, I would be remiss if I did not give a shout out to Jeanette Brown, who used to, um, host the podcast when we first got started. Um, and to some of our producers extraordinaire, John Pfeffer, uh, Alex Kelly and Dennis Crowley, who's our current producer. So huge thanks to all of those guys and to every guest that we've had. And I would argue to everyone that's been featured on wiretaps yeah. because these people are putting their profiles out there. We're reviewing them on the show and we just couldn't, you know, couldn't do this stuff without them. Um, so yeah, so a couple other fun facts and figures. The most popular episode of Wiretaps, and I have no idea why, Alex, is is episode number seventy two, which um, was called Wiretaps: Older Applicant, uh, Low GPA but High GMAT, and Choosing Between Schools. So I think we must have had a decision wire candidate in there who was like trying to decide where to go. Um, that one leads the way, and I can't remember what the number of listens is on that one, but it's you know it's it's a good number. So that one's popular. And, you know, I also thought it was interesting, you know, we've had professors join us from Wharton, Kellogg, Stanford, Duke, and, and other schools over the years. And obviously admissions officers have joined us from, you know, every M7 program and most of the top 20, I think at this point. So yeah, very cool stuff. And it's kind of a nice milestone. Um, I, I found one other thing that I thought was kind of interesting, and I don't know if I buy this, but there's a, um, a site out there, um, called, I guess it's called Listen Score. That's a really cool um, site that sort of rates and ranks podcasts. And they claim that our podcast is in the top 1.5% of kind of most popular shows in terms of like listener loyalty and um, this sort of popularity score that they come up with that actually seems quite sophisticated. And so I'm going to, I'm, I'm buying it. Um, they've, they have like 2.7 million podcasts that they have sort of indexed and we're in the top 1.5%. So we're doing something right. I think. That's fantastic. What was the name of the site? I got to look it up. I think it's called listen score is the name of the, yeah. So it was very cool. And yeah, so lots of fun. I, I guess the downside to all of this, Alex, is that I think there are more people listening than we may have um, estimated. So, you know, here we thought we were just kind of goofing around, um, but there are people tuning in week in and week out. So I guess we got to, you know, keep, keep this going and, and do a good job each week. <laughs> and that's one thing that we've done, Graham, that I'm particularly proud of. We've not missed a week of wiretap episodes since we began with that episode number 40 or, or whenever it was. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And yeah, so so um, so speaking of which, let's kind of get into the real stuff because I know we're patting ourselves on the back for episode 200, but um, we have a couple of things to get to, including our candidates that you've selected for this week. Um, before we do that, I did want to mention that we have a really amazing uh, offer that we're doing right now for people who take our fall research survey. Um, so if you go to bit.ly forward slash clear admit survey, all lowercase, all one word, um, and you fill out our survey, we're going to give $15 Amazon gift cards to the first 50 people who take the survey. So I guarantee you, if you're listening now, like hit pause, go take the survey, get your $15 Amazon card and, you know, and then come back and listen to the rest of the episode because we need your help. Um, and this survey is really targeted at people applying to business school now um, to join in the fall um, of 22. So keep that in mind. That's really who it's for. Um, so go take the survey bit.ly forward slash clear admit survey and get your 15 bucks. Seems like an easy, <laughs> easy thing to do. Probably be the easiest 15 bucks you've ever made. <laughs> um, over on the website, Alex, we've got 
Real Humans that we've put up for Yale, uh, SOM, and for UCI Mirage, so that's University of California, Irvine. Um, we also ran a piece on the Wharton Employment Report, and I did want to um, share one fact that I thought was kind of cool. I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if you saw this, but do you guess what percentage of the Wharton graduating class goes to work on the West Coast? 20%. What'd you say, 20? Yeah. So it's actually 25%. Wow. Which for me, I was actually surprised by that number. As a, It's kind of a big number given that Wharton's on the East Coast. And I think it has something to do with the fact that they're, you know, they have that campus now in San Francisco that's been there. It's kind of a small campus they run, you know, some programs out of. And I feel like that's got to have helped them to really gain that foothold. They, they launched that campus when I was at Wharton, Graham. Yeah. So it's really, um, I think it started to really sink in um, if they're sending a quarter of their class out to the West Coast. Uh, yeah. The only other thing I wanted to mention on the website is we did a really nice admissions director Q&A with Sujin uh, over at Michigan Ross. She's the director of admissions there. That's brilliant, Graham. And we love Sujin. Mm -hmm. But tell me about Georgia. Oh, right. Last week we Back mentioned... Back to last week's question. <laughs> and I got you on the spot because you hadn't read it. Yeah. So I read that one um, in the intervening week here. And I was actually, um, it was it was really interesting to hear. I mean, it's a small program, you Georgia Terry. Um, they have uh, what I would, it's like almost like concierge level service when it comes to career placement and kind of career guidance. So I learned that by reading that interview. I mean, they really spend a lot of time helping each student figure out what they want to do, where they're going to do it, et cetera. Um, and I think that's one of the benefits that you see at a lot of smaller programs. And then the other thing I thought was cool, and I should have known this, and or I probably did in the, somewhere in the back of my <laughs> brain, um, but it's, it's in Athens, Georgia, which for anyone who's never been is just a great college town, uh, home of... Um, some famous musical outfits that have come out of, of Athens, Georgia too, like REM and the B-52s amongst others. So just a great college town, small program, and I can see why they're making some waves, gaining traction, and why they're now on the site as a profile school. So that's kind of cool. Uh, very good, very good. Um, all right, so let's move on. Obviously, if you guys have anything that you want to reach out to Alex or myself about, you can send us an email at info at clearedmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps. And we're still open to you sending us audio messages. We haven't gotten any yet, Alex, but if anyone wants to send us a voice memo with a question, we'll play the voice memo on the air here and then answer your question. So feel free to send us an audio uh, you know, message if you can. Uh, Alex, should we get into the wiretaps portion? Let's kick on. All right. So this is wiretaps candidate number one. So this is an apply wire entry that you've picked out, Alex, and the person wants to start school next fall. Um, they've got a whopping 17 schools on their list. I'm not going to read through it, but it's it seems like it's sort of a who's who of the top 17 in the U.S. with, I believe, um, London Business School thrown in there as well. So it's a, you know, sort of top 16, I guess, plus LBS, um, or it feels that way. I don't know. I have to go through the whole list here, but, but it's a long list. And this person's been working in human research resources as a recruitment consultant. Um, they want to get into consulting, although they also mentioned maybe investment banking or nonprofit social impact. Um, the companies they list as Target would suggest to me that they're first going to go after consulting are Bain, BCG, Deloitte, and McKinsey. Uh, GRE score is a 310. GPA 3.25. This person's been working for four years. They're in Canada. They'd love to land in New York City. And they mentioned that they are an Indian male, 30 years old. Um, they say that they're um, identified as part of LGBTQ. Um, and they're first gen. They grew up in India, but went to Canada for school, um, where they have a master's in human resources. 
I think that the degree, uh, the GPA on that one is a 3-4. Uh, out of four, um, and that's in Canada, where GPA, you know, GPAs aren't really inflated. Um, undergrad, I believe they did back in India, and that was the 325 out of four, but it was in dentistry. So Alex, do you want to walk us through some of the other details and kind of your point of view on this candidate? Because they have a lot going on um, and some potential weaknesses as they kind of embark to, you know, apply here. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, this candidate probably needs a lot more focus and, and, and sort of strategy behind their, their application at this point. Um, as you say, they, they've got 17 schools on their target list. That's symptomatic of someone that's not really done the, the sort of grunt work necessary to sort of really identify their, their best target programs. They have Cambridge Judge on that list too, Graham, so I'm not entirely sure which of the top 16 in the US they've excluded. Well, actually, they've excluded three or four out of the top 16 because they've got a couple outside the top 16. But anyway, the point is they've got a lot of programs on their list. Um, now, let's look at their career progression. It's a little bit over the map, Graham. You know, they started off in dentistry. That was a, their, their, their degree. They've done some work with a, their family business. They've done three years in human resources. They've now got a human resource master's degree. They've gone from India to Canada. Um, and so on and so forth. So what I'm looking at as, as, a, as an ad com is I really need to sort of understand the pathway more clearly, the whys behind the decisions that have been made and so on and so forth and try to understand some pr sort of growth, um, you know, from, from experience to experience and so on and so forth. So, so that's a little bit muddy at this point um, to me. Um, now, that said, um, you know, the, there's some, some aspects that, that, that are very positive too. They're first generation, so, so that sort of um, presents its challenges and how that sort of impacted them over time. Um, as you said, they're sort of out in, in the, the LBGTQ community and contributing to that community. Um, so some of the challenges and, and some of the perspective that they can bring from those experiences is, is going to be very positive. Um, so, so, so that's good. Um, but I'm sort of still a little um, concerned in terms of their, their sort of, again, tying it all together, what they've done, and then really coming up with a, 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 a good goal focus in terms of why they're getting their MBA and so on and so forth. And then the big elephant in the room to sort of capital, Graham, is, is the lower GRE score. Now, they've got a master's degree. And I have no doubt that they're smart, but that GRE score is going to be a real issue when you combine it with some of these other issues, Graham. Also, being an Indian national, applying in the second round is also going to add to the challenges. So um, this is someone that may well be a strong candidate, but at their current sort of presentation, they, they, they're going to find it very challenging, I think, Graham. Yeah, I agree. And just for our listeners, I mean, I think that the lowest ranking, and again, we, you know, we tend to bucket schools, so I don't want people to, you know, go running with, you know, us kind of pointing out a school, but USC is probably the lowest school in terms of the rankings on their list. So they're, they're looking at very top schools overall. And the reason I point that out is because 
that GRE of 310 is at least 10 points below the average at all of their target schools. And, you know, arguably they probably need to be in the mid 320s if they want to um, have a, you know, a strong showing at some of these schools because of the fact that they're um, in a, a little bit of an overrepresented group. It's sort of weird, right? They straddle that line and that they're first gen to college, LGBTQ, which would make them underrepresented, but then they're also Indian and male, which makes them overrepresented. Um, they're 30 years old, so they're a little bit on the older side, but that's probably because they have the mass already in, in HR. I, you know, the thing that I struggled with was weaving everything together. And I was like, wow, you know, um, they did this undergrad in dentistry and, you know, they pivoted away and are doing HR now, which is fine. Um, but, you know, it was interesting. Some of this work that they did in their spare time as kind of community work was um, they were doing sort of, uh, I guess, public service in, in dental camps, which I, I take to mean, you know, helping people probably in poorer parts of India who need like dental care um, and, and aren't getting it or something, right? So then I was thinking, well, they also have done now this HR thing. Like, is there anything that they could do that would sort of help? Like, are they interested in like, I don't know, healthcare, um, but from the business side, you know, and maybe specifically on the kind of HR side or something. And, and maybe there's a whole host of boutique consulting firms that do kind of healthcare related consulting, or I'm just trying to think about a way for this candidate to bring their story together because I'm not really seeing it yet. Um, I'm seeing sort of a series of pivots, you know? So, and again, as you said, round two, low test score, potentially overrepresented in some categories. And so that's going to make things challenging. Um, I would, I mean, this person, there's no way they could ever apply to these 17 schools in the second round. I mean, their recommenders would probably jump off of <laughs> a cliff or something, right? I mean, it's just not um, feasible. So they need to narrow this list down. I would argue they may need to shift it um, more towards top 25 if they're going to go in with these scores and, and this approach. But, but who knows, maybe they do you think they should wait and apply next year and, you know, get the score up and, and, you know, work on their storyline? Or do you think their 30 be really risky to wait any longer? Yeah, I mean, it's challenging, right? Because again, you, you make the point that they're 30. So they'll be 31 next year. So they'll be further away from that median age, that sort of median sort of experience post undergrad. Um, so that's the challenge. But let's think of the, the opportunities if they did wait a year. They could have a much more cogent story because they could have worked on it. Taking some of your advice, Graham, I think is fantastic in terms of that sort of healthcare, dental, in combination with HR and, and, sort of, and so on and so forth. That, that might make better sense. They could get a more realistic set of target schools and improve that GRE score. I, I got to think that they've taken this GRE quite quickly just to sort of try to rush things into round two, which will backfire, unfortunately. Applying round one over round two is also going to be a significant advantage for them. So it might well be waiting another year. What we might then advise, Graham, is take a few of these programs that they've targeted, get some apps in this year, um, just to sort of test the water. Yeah. Try, obviously, if they can retake the test before January, that would be good to sort of bump the score up, test the water this year, and then come back as a reapplicant at those programs and a first-time applicant at some others, but all in that round one. 
Yeah, I think that's great advice. So yeah, narrow the list, go after a few in round two, ideally with a better test score, and just see where the chips fall and, and regroup if necessary for a round one push next fall. I think that's great advice. Um, all right. So yeah, that was an interesting profile. And I'm, I want to thank that person for sharing their background. Hopefully they're tuning in and getting some of this additional advice. Um, let's move on though and talk about Wiretaps candidate number two. So this is another entry we received on ApplyWire. Um, this person is also looking to start business school next fall. They've got nine schools on their target list, and those schools are Berkeley, Duke, Kellogg, Stanford, Booth, Foster, Wharton, UT Austin, and UVA Darden. And this person's been working as a project manager. Um, they want to get into tech. I believe they're already sort of in tech now. They want to sort of stay in tech, I guess I should say. And they would love to go work for Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, or Uber. Uh, GRE score is a 339. That's literally like sort of off the charts in terms of what I typically would see here. Um, GPA 3.48. They've been working for three years and they're located in Miami, Florida. And they have no preference for where they land post-MBA. I think they're just focused on achieving their career goals, so they're flexible. Um, they indicate that they went to a top four school for industrial and systems engineering in the USA. Um, and then they've been working, I guess they went to work for a tech company in Utah. And they've had this sort of rapid um, ascension to promote, you know, they're, they're kind of promoted and now managing a number of people. Um, I think they're also managing people who manage people. So they're, you know, kind of several layers up the chain now. And I believe their clients are companies like Amazon, Google, Spotify, et cetera, um, within this tech company that they're working with. So lots of interesting stuff. Um, I, you know, it sounds like they did um, some undergraduate activities in terms of uh, outside activities. They were a club president, um, you know, and they, you know, were, were active in undergrad. But outside of work, they just mentioned being a big basketball fan and um, covering, it sounds like, small local events as a photographer. Um, so not a lot ECs wise. But Alex, what do you make of this candidacy? Because it's pretty interesting and, and it seems like a lot of the ducks are in a row. Yeah. Um... Actually, um, I, I like this candidate very much. Obviously, you know, one of the big, one of the bigger issues with our prior candidate, who I, I did really like, but obviously faces a lot of challenges, was the GRE. On, on obviously for this candidate, three thirty nine GRE, Graham. That's ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd want to know which question they got wrong. How did they not get four hundred? <laughs> it's it's, it's oh, or three forty, I should say. But yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Three years of experience, they might well have hit the sweet spot. It does look like their experience is really strong. And if they can justify that why now to pivot to the sort of client side or, or you know, they, they, they want to basically work for the companies that they're serving right now in terms of whatever role role their, their company is in, that's fantastic. And it does look like you said that, that they've sort of progressed well, they've got lots of responsibility. So they should be able to show really good impact at work. That's key, showing impact, showing progression. And, and I think this person um, absolutely can do that. Um, so I think that the little bit of a weakness is going to be this um, extracurricular experience. You know, what do they do outside of work? I don't think taking a few photographs of basketball because you're a keen basketball fan is going to really um, be, be, be a highlight to the candidacy. But nevertheless, I think all other aspects of this candidacy are strong, Graham. I think assuming they they can execute well um, on, on, on their candidacy. So, so I can see this person 
um, for sure um, being successful. What what I like about their target schools, they've got quite a nice um, range, right? So they they are reaching for the for the, for the moon. That's fantastic. They've got Stanford in there. They've got Wharton in there, um, but they've got a nice range of sort of programs that, that resonate well uh, with folks um, focusing on tech sort of that tech space. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit curious why Sloan isn't in there mm. um, in the mix. Because again, I think Sloan probably would be a really good um, tar- target program for them. I, I can see them on in that M7, maybe on the cusp of that M7, but in that M7 sort of, sort of category, Graham. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, it is nice to see what to me looks like a really well thought out school list. I mean, aside from Sloan not being there, I think the rest of it, you know, they've got um, Foster, which is a known destination for people wanting to work at some of the companies they have on their target list. Um, They've got UT Austin, another really good tech um, oriented MBA. And then obviously, like you said, some of the big names in Wharton and Stanford and stuff. So it's a good list. Um, As to the extracurriculars, one thing I want to revisit is, you know, my advice when someone has somewhat light um, outside activities um, is it's fine. You know, if, if you're working, they're going to, most schools will ask how many hours a week you're working, all that stuff. So hopefully it does come across that this person is, is you know, kind of spending a lot of time at work. Um, I also think to some extent, outside activities have been more challenging in the last couple of years with COVID. So I think schools are perhaps more forgiving, but I, it'd be nice for this candidate to think long and hard about what would they do on campus if admitted? And this is like the key lesson, I think, for this candidacy is that, you know, and this applies to anyone, right? It's like, why do schools care about your outside activities? Well, number one, it shows that you're well-rounded, but they also have a selfish interest, which is they need you to do stuff when you're a part of their community. Like what clubs are you going to join, lead, take to the next level kind of stuff, right? So I would just encourage this person to think about what, you know, what do they do? um, What have they done when they were an undergrad? And how maybe does that map to future involvement on the campus of their, you know, various target programs? So if they can do that, that'd be good. Yeah. And for this person, they were a leader at undergrad. So that's absolutely fantastic, right? They were a club president of a cultural club. Yeah. So they can point to that to say, I do have um, an interest in, in leading on campus. I've done it before. Yeah. Um, I'm just not currently doing it. And as you say, COVID-19 has absolutely wreaked havoc with a lot of opportunity for extracurriculars. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So anyway, very interesting candidacy. And thanks for picking that one out. I mean, I think, you know, um, it, what I love about doing these kind of <laughs> reviews is that everyone, you know, there, there isn't a perfect candidacy out there. You know, this person you say, wow, people are probably like, man, if I could only have a 339, you know, on the G, on the GRE. But, you know, everyone has their things. And this person, it sounds like maybe isn't quite as active um, outside of work. But again, I think they can navigate it. And it all comes down to the, you know, the sort of strategy they deploy and, and the care and time they put into their applications. So um, I want to wish them the best of luck. Thanks, Alex, for picking them out. Um, let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this is another ApplyWire entry. And again, person wants to start business school next fall. Um, they're only applying to three schools um, and they've indicated those schools as Ohio State Fisher, um, University of Maryland Smith, and then Wisconsin's uh, MBA program as well. They've been working in human resources and they would like to work in consumer goods after business school. They mention Nestle, Nike, Pepsi, uh, Unilever, and they have a 327 on the GRE a 3.4 GPA. They've been working for four years. They're located in Nigeria and they would like to land in the Midwest of the United States. Um, They indicate that those four years of experience that they've had 
to date have been in the manufacturing sector and they say that they're trying to pivot from human resources to finance um, and that they don't really have a big quantitative background because their undergrad was more humanities based. So they're sort of, that, that, there's kind of mentioning that as to why they're not going for like the top 10 or something type business school. They did indicate that they applied to UNC I think in round one, so that's another school that's on their list, um, but that they'd already have applied to um, when they posted this entry on our site. Um, they do some work outside of the office, um, running a co-op um, that's, I guess, and they do some farming. Um, so that's kind of the background. Alex, I know you picked this out for a reason, and what, let's get into it. What do you make of this candidate? Well, quite honestly, Graham, this is a, this is a, a candidate from Africa, which Again, they're not going to be overrepresented in the applicant pool um, for, for, for US-based um, programs, for sure. Right. Um, I reckon their work experience is, is probably pretty good. They've done some, some interesting things um, in the manufacturing sector um, and, and, and so on and so forth. They're trying to pivot, like you say, from human resources to finance. But I think that's fine as long as they can show sort of that, that sort of um, quantitative um, aptitude. And so what we've advised them to do is potentially take MBA math, um, HBS core or something like that, just to show um, that, that, that that's not going to be um, an, an issue. Their, their 327 GRE is very respectable. It's above average for the top programs in the world. Um, and their quantitative score in that 163 is also going to be above average. So that's good too. So, you know, and, and you know, the programs that they're targeting, um, Ohio State Fisher, um, Smith, um, UMD um, Smith and, and Wisconsin, these are good programs. Um, and obviously, they've also said that they've just applied to UNC Keenan Flagler, which I would probably put in a tier above the three that we've just mentioned. For sure, yeah. But but frankly, Graham, I think that they need to target one or two schools in one or two tiers above that also, because I think they might be under-targeting a little bit here. If I was advising this candidate, I think I would look at um, a program in the M7, do the moonshot. I'd look at two or three programs in the top 16, for this, pro, this candidate, I think Cornell Johnson screams at me um, in terms of they wanting to transition into finance. Um, and then I, I would, like they say, they, they've picked UNC, Keenan, Flagland, maybe one other comparable, and then Ohio State, um, um, Smith and, and Wisconsin. But yeah, I think they're underselling themselves a little bit. I get that they might be looking for scholarship dollars. And if that's the case then, yeah, I, I would still go after the schools that I've listed, the tiers that I've mentioned. Yeah. So the interesting thing is, you know, they talk about pivoting to finance and yet their post-MBA career goal is to work in consumer goods. So I think what they want to do, if I understand them correctly, is they want to work in a kind of finance role within one of these large consumer goods companies. And I assume that that's what's driving their desire to land in the Midwest, because a lot of the big consumer goods companies are, you know, are headquartered in the Midwest. And I'm, I'm guessing that some of those companies have these kind of rotational programs, which are great, you know, things to do outside of you know, when you when you graduate from business school. I'm also wondering if the reason that they're interested in some of these companies is because they all have a kind of global 
you know, footprint, which might allow them to pivot back um, to Africa or, or elsewhere in the longer term. So I guess I'm hoping that they'll explain that in their application because they kind of, you know, it was just, we got really basic info here. We're trying to piece the, you know, put the puzzle together ourselves. Yeah. But so all that makes sense. And I, I think I could not agree with you more though, that they're, um, they're underselling themselves. You know, 327, like you said, above average at every top school, pretty much, and a 3.45 GPA is right there. They're from Nigeria. They've had good work experience. So I think this person could very much land. I mean, I was thinking of a couple of schools that jumped out at me were Michigan Ross. It's in the Midwest. They claim that's where they want to land. Um, goes back to that. If they're looking at consumer good stuff, that might be a good place to be. Um, and Kelly uh, at Indiana. Those are two schools that, um, you know, one's a kind of top 16 and, and the other, you know, more top 20, I guess, or 25, but they're, they're both excellent programs, great career placement opportunities, obviously, and yeah, fit with the others that you mentioned. And, and so, yeah, I just think that they should, as you say, go, go for it, you know, go, aim high. And I would argue some of these top programs have more money as a rule to sort of, ha you know, hand out as scholarship dollars. So I, I don't see any risk. And as long as they, you know, they can keep some of these existing schools on their list, but I, I feel like they need to add in at least a few um, higher ranking, you know, uh, programs that that's my take. I kind of agree with you on that. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. So, um, it is interesting, uh, you know, I, you and I were talking before we came on air about how sometimes people develop a list of schools based on where friends and family have gone as well, or, you know, so maybe there's more history here than we know. Um, but if it's just purely this list has been built because they don't think they're going to get into a top school, then I think they need to do a rethink. So um, I want to wish them the best of luck as they <laughs> embark on that and get stuff ready for the next round. And I think, yeah, taking MBA math is, or, or HBS core online would be really smart um, to help them bolster that undergraduate humanity degree. Um, but that's it, Alex. I think we've come to the end of episode 200 of the Clear Admit podcast. Um, I want to thank you for picking out these candidates as always. And, uh, you know, I'd say cheers to 200 more. We'll, we'll see how we, <laughs> how we go here, but, uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. And I want to just personally thank everyone who tunes in week in and week out. Um, we're, we're nothing without you guys listening. So, um, really appreciate that. Yeah, no, absolutely brilliant. 200 episodes. Absolutely fantastic. And um, best of luck, everyone. Stay safe and let's look forward to episode 201. <laughs> All right. See everybody next week. Thanks, Alex. <laughs>